Welcome back to The Wind Down, everyone. We know this is your favorite episode of the month. We're excited to have it. We are talking to a few friends of ours, friends of uh, Peace of Mind Wealth Management. We're talking about long-term care. We're talking about uh, insurance. We're talking about everything completely unscripted. But before we get into that, it's a wind down. So Morgan, what are we drinking today? We have Three Finger Jack, a really cool story and a really great wine. Well, fantastic. We are super excited. If you have not had a chance yet, we do ask you, if you feel that we're a five-star show, please give us a five-star rating and also write us a review. But before we get into the show, we have to do a disclosure because that's what we have to do because we're financial advisors. So Merce, can you do that for us, please? I sure can. The information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information only, not to be considered individualized advice. Different types of investments carry different levels of risk. As always, please contact your financial professional for advice appropriate to your specific situation. Enjoy the wind down. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stansel and Merce Tariq. Welcome, everybody. We appreciate you listening to our Wind Down podcast. This is one of our favorites. And uh, today we have some special guests with us. So we've got obviously myself, Merce, and Morgan, who we're on all of the Wind Downs. And then we have uh, Norm and Carol Kelly. And then we have Al McCleary. And along with them, we have Jax and Cindy Robertson. So we appreciate you all coming on and giving us your thoughts and insights and questions that we can talk about when it comes to um, retirement and all the things around retirement. But there is one very, very important part of wine down, and that is the wine. And so Morgan, she is our resident wine person when it comes to this. She's the one who picks the wine and she gets can give us the breakdown. So Morgan, can you tell us and all our listeners what our wine is? Absolutely. This week we picked uh, the Three Finger Jack and this is a Cabernet Sauvignon from uh, California. It's Lodi, California, which is uh, east of San Francisco. Um, it has a really cool story behind it. Uh, Three Finger Jack was a legendary outlaw and he had a reputation for roaming California during the gold rush in search of riches. Um, so it's kind of a cool story, and I think it's a pretty good wine. I've enjoyed it. Oh, and the bottle, you can't kind of miss it on the shelves at the store either. It's, it's shorter and a little squattier. So what do y'all think? I'm enjoying my glass. <laughs> I taste it. I was prepared for a, for bidding, be, being hit by a truck because it's a Cabernet Sauvignon, but it's really very good. Mm -hmm. very good. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty, uh, it's lighter than your average Cabernet. 
Yeah. Um, we typically drink Pinots, but the, I think this is like, this is smooth as can be. So I think it's yeah. the, the squatty yeah. bottle that Morgan just put up doesn't do it justice. I think wow. <laughs> it, it looks like port when you see the bottle initially, there's all the port comes to those kinds of bottles, but, mm-hmm. uh, good. Yeah. It's uh, rated. It's got a 92 point rating and wine enthusiast right now. So that's yeah, right. Very cool. Never heard of it. Of course, a good reason to name a bottle of wine after a three-fingered guy who was a, what a pirate. <laughs> yeah, he was an outlaw. Uh-oh. An outlaw <laughs> during the gold rush. Very good. <laughs> all right, so we appreciate having you all with us today. And then the wind down for all of our listeners. The wind down is really just a conversation uh, for us to talk about different things that are that we're dealing with when it comes to planning for and living through retirement. So I asked ahead of time before we had our guest on if they had any points or thoughts. And so we're going to all just have a conversation around it. And so one of the topics that came back was this idea of long-term care and how to plan for it. And kind of more the, the question or the comment was around kind of like this sudden thing that happens. And Merce and I, in our practice, and we've had that occur where a, a, everybody's going fine, everything's going great, and all of a sudden a health issue occurs and life changes. And that's possible. Uh, we, can't, we can't outthink that. Um, that's just a, a possible thing. So I'll, I'll open it up. Are there any thoughts or questions that you have or things that you've, that you've done or the things that you're thinking about when it comes to that kind of a scenario as you get into retirement, when it comes to long-term care planning or, or concerns around that? Yeah. Tons of uh, questions on that, by the way, of course, you know, we're all never, we're, we're going to get in ill health somewhere along the way, needing some kind of long-term insurance, I think. And I think right on way back when I was, I sort of signed up with you all. One of the first things you mentioned to me was, are you ready for retirement? I think I said, yeah. And you said, you got long-term care. And I thought it was interesting. That was the very first question in terms of insurance. That was the very first question you all asked us. Now I did have it, which was kind of good, but, and in fact, it's 20 years old now, the policy that I have. And I think on one of your podcasts, you all had someone on talking about long-term care. And I think you also talked about other kinds of policies that you can get some sort of annuity, long-term care package. And that's one of the things that I was hoping you might want to talk about again, is that if you've got a long-term care program, should you give any thought to going out in our 70s and trying to evaluate something new? And it's from premium standpoint and all of that, I'd be really interested in knowing that. So one of the things that we've had here recently, and this is just, okay, so if you think about long-term care insurance, it's its not been around that long. Mm-hmm. It is a relatively, in the concept of insurance, it's a new type of insurance. And uh, the idea here is, is that you're covering something, an insurance company has to, they're trying to cover uh, exposure and they're not, it was, a, what insurance companies work off of is what's called experience. And so they're trying to say, hey, how do I, how do we pay for this? And then what we found is, is that a lot of the experience of insurance companies have been very negative. And so they've been raising premiums. And we've had conversation after conversation with clients saying, hey, 
my premiums are going up 20 and 30% a year. <laughs> and what do we do with that? And some of the of, of our clients that have long policies, long time policies, we say, don't do anything, keep it. Cause mm-hmm. even going up 20 and 30%, it's not that bad of a thing, but in today's terms, yes, there are hybrid policies. There's policies that give you life insurance as well as cash value, as well mm-hmm. as long-term care protection. But to answer your question, the way you pose the question there, Norm, is to say, looking at it in your seventies, I would say you would not very likely not want to drop an old policy that you've got to look for a new policy. Yeah, I agree. That, that's probably not, that's not going to be a good scenario because the policy premium is going to be so high. And if you've got an old policy with rich benefits, you definitely don't want to drop those. Yeah. Okay. Merce, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, you know, long-term care is such a, it's a, such a difficult topic to tackle because part of it is insurance, right? And it, insurance is always difficult because it's, well, how much risk do I want to transfer away from myself? So the question of life insurance, life insurance is saying, well, I need to buy this life insurance policy in case of, in the event that something happens to me, that there is some funds that are left over for the family or for my heirs or, or whatever it is. Long-term care is very similar in the sense of, am I willing to take the risk of paying for long-term care myself, or am I going to transfer it over to an insurance company? And so there's, there's a, a few ways to handle that. One is, Norm, what you've got, the, the traditional long-term care policy. And, and like Raiden was saying, we've seen, we've seen the increases over the past 10 years. We've seen, we've had the conversations with clients in that, you know, it's my, hey, my policy went up, my premiums went up 15, 20% this year, and it did it again and again and again. And, and while, that, while that hurts, while that is expensive, once we look at the cost of what long-term care is, mm-hmm. it's you, sometimes you have to look at it from the insurance perspective as well. And insurance really didn't plan for long-term care to be this expensive. And so they're trying to ramp it up to, in all essence figure it out themselves. They're, we yeah. didn't, they had no idea how big of a deal long-term care was going to be. And now they're trying to essentially play in a, a catch-up game, which is unfortunate for the end consumer because you got to pay for it. But I, I, I'm big on data. And so the right now I've got this table in front of me that has the average monthly cost of, of, of assisted living and nursing home care by state. Mm-hmm. And so we're in, we're all in North Carolina. So North Carolina, the average monthly cost of um, nursing home stay is $8,000 and 60 cents. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, $8,060. And the assisted living side is $3,800 a month. So you think about it and you may be paying five, 10, $15,000 a year into a long-term care policy. But if you don't have that and you have to pay that eight, to $3,000 a month, well, all of a sudden, that's a very, very hefty bill. So once again, it comes back to, well, how much risk do I want to cover? You have plenty of people out there that say, well, no, I don't need insurance at all. I'm going to I'm gonna roll the dice. And then you have the other side of the spectrum that says, well, I don't like rolling the dice. I like to know that if something happens, I'm going to be completely covered. So, And that's the insurance route to go. While, while long-term care policies and premiums can be a tough thing to swallow, they're there once it's one of those things where if you never use it, you're going to hate it. But if you use it, you're going to love that you have. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and so and, that's that's kind of the world we're in. We can't we can't negotiate rates. We can't do anything. It's it's either you pay it or you don't, and you get the benefit or you don't. So it's not a fun conversation, but not, I would say nine times out of ten, it makes sense. Even if you get a premium raise or or, or a premium hike, it usually makes sense to keep paying it. And and one of the things I would just add is that we've thought about this as well. Uh, in addition to trying to roll the dice and decide what to do, as you just noted, Mers. If you your family has a history of something, late stage disease or probability of occurrence, then it helps you think a little more differently about what you should be doing. Yeah, that's yeah, right. absolutely. I agree. If I can so, have a point on this, I'm, I, we we did ours probably in our mid fifties, I want to say. Yeah, and I don't remember there being an option for that uh, hybrid. Uh, insurance there, was. yeah. there wasn't had and having listened to your podcast on that that was an attractive thought to me but uh, we entered on kind of a low-end policy but there was something and we kind of opted for having some protection but then also being willing to self self insure yeah i think that's the key is there's always with insurance a happy medium as to how much do you want to insure yourself, meaning self-insure, and then how much do you want to, to off, put off to an insurance company? And, and there's always that weight as to what's the right mix. And it's very individualized. Some people are like, no, I'll take all the risk. I'll take all of that. Some people are not. They don't want any to risk. Yeah. And then there's in the middle. middle. So, yeah, that, that long-term care is obviously an issue, but I think for folks that have gotten the older older policies, it's certainly good to most of the time to keep those policies in place. Well, along that same line, Ray, and I think you all had a, a real nice podcast that talked about CCRCs here in, in Wake County. And, and one of the thoughts that I had at the time listening to the discussion was that if you had a long-term care insurance program and you, let's say, wanted to go into a CCRC and were able to get in, uh, there's a beneficial aspect of that long-term care insurance in that CCRC, I think, but I'm not quite sure. And well, yeah, I was just going to say Al McCleary, who's on the uh, on our podcast with us, he's, he's actually, right now, he's transitioning over into a CCRC. He's waiting oh. for his apartment to get built, cool. and, uh, and he's watching it right now <laughs> live <laughs> on uh, video to, as it gets happening. So, so Al, how is that with, from what you know as far as your, your long-term care insurance going into the CCRC? My understanding, long-term health care insurance will pay for uh, any, uh, I, don't, I don't think it pays any of our normal residential living costs, but anything beyond that, uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, either nursing home or, or, or more an intermediate level of care, it will, it will pay for that. And we, we, have a, we have a John Hancock policy, and they say in there, this, again, like you guys, our policy is 25 or 30 years old, I don't know what. And it talks about those ver those variations, and so I'm, oh. we're not too concerned. But one of the things that um, uh, that, that uh, I'm I'm looking into is a topic further down the road about using various funds uh, directly to pay for the CCRC uh, monthly fees or entrance fees or other things. And yeah, we can talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 in our in our conversations with you know the individuals that that 
operate the CCRCs. Uh, from our understanding is once you move over into, so like long-term care policies, whether it be home health care or, or whatever, they work off of the, do you need assistance with what are called two activities of daily living? So when you go into a CCRC, most of the time you go into it completely independent. You do not need any assistance. You do not need any care. You're just moving in. But if you go into this position of needing assistance, that's when your policy would kick in and start to pay some of those expenses. And then if you move into nursing home, obviously it's going to be able to pay some of those expenses. So the the whole thing is, do I need care or not? Because a CCRC does not mean I need care. Right. In fact, most of them are saying when you move in, you shouldn't need care yet. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get special permission to go in if you need care. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think that's the thing that we've talked about when we did the the podcast with the CCRC person and she, she kind of alluded to CCRCs can have a negative connotation because it's it, it, in, in simple terms, it's saying, Hey, I'm moving into the home more the, the, the old folks home. And, you know, you know, a CCRC is just another place to live, but also it has built in assisted living and long-term care. And it just, it really just eases that transition if you were to need it down in the future. And still, just like any other policy, you would have to qualify for assisted living or long-term care to have your policy kick in. But assisted, a CCRC community is really built around easing that whole concept of, well, I'm a little bit older. I don't want to keep up with my lawn anymore. I just want to move into a community. And then, oh, by the way, if something does happen, I don't have to transition again. It's already there. It's already there built in and there will be more expenses. But yeah, if I have that policy in place, it'll start covering it because I have the policy. And that, that's one of the main main features of a CCRC when we did all our research was that my mom had it and my my wife's mom had 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 the same thing. That it is all three steps, you know, independent living, assisted living, and nursing care all mm. in one place. And so it's integrated and seamless, more or less, and uh, it it makes it mentally a lot less of a burden if you suddenly discover you have to go into assisted living. It's just the next building over there. So I mean, that's that's a big deal. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. So I want to transition here for just a minute because I think this is a good topic. But the other topic that came up that I thought was very interesting for conversation, I just think because it's something that we run into quite regularly is the idea around um, estate planning. And the thing that was submitted was this idea that and I'll give the setting, basically the estate is being, or the the parent of this is in a different state 
And so now you've got siblings in different states. You've got an estate that is not in the, in, in the state you live. And this idea of how do you deal with um, powers of attorney and being able to deal with transactions and things like that. And I think that there's two aspects of estate planning. One, um, you know, our average client is thinking about their own estate planning. How are they going to deal with their, how their children are going to deal with their estate? And then we got the other side, which is some of many of our clients are dealing with their aging parents and how they're dealing with their estate. And so they'll go, Hey, wait a minute. I just lived through this very difficult situation. I don't want that to be for my kids. I want to set things up to be better for my kids. So let me ask you this. What is your, have y'all experienced anything when it comes to estate planning that has made you go, I want to make sure this is not a problem for my kids or like, have you had that situation at all? I I see Jackson, Cindy have a smile on their face. (laughs) So we've been going through a two year process of my father's estate um, almost to the day, two years, my sister and I were co-executors. Uh, however, I live in North Carolina and my sister and my father live in Ohio. So my sister was automatically made the executor because they wouldn't allow me to do it out of state. Um, my sister has dragged her feet for two years. Uh, There's been some interesting changes of beneficiaries on policies. Um, It is still not settled. We're going, I have a lawyer now in Ohio. Um, It's, it's, I don't, we don't want our kids to have to go through what I've been going through. Um, And so we're just trying to make sure we've got, and, and I have to tell you, when I hired the lawyer and I was explaining it to them, they said, um, the whole beneficiary thing is a license to steal. So (laughs) because we think we know how it happened and my father had dementia, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. If he signed something, he probably had no idea what he was signing. Um, And so the whole thing has gotten very ugly. So So let me ask a question just for clarity there on, on your, on your statement, you said the beneficiary is a license or you mean the executor or, or power of attorney? Well, the, the, the ability to change beneficiaries is pretty, um, pretty easy. Yeah. So that's Um, power of attorney. Yeah. yeah. So power of attorney is a big, big, big (laughs) issue there. Yeah. And, and the thing is I have, my sister, I both had durable power of attorney, but we were able to act separately. So I put the power of attorney on my dad's policies, my power of attorney on to be able to watch what was going on. But I think my sister used it for other purposes. Yeah. And I never thought to double check as the years went on to make sure nothing had changed. Yep. So when my father, which is something I've now read is you should have a beneficiary checkup, you know, once a year to make sure everything's in place. Um, It's a good idea. Yeah. I think, I think that's a great idea. Um, You know, whether what, whatever your age is, wherever you are in your lifestyle, wherever, it's always good to know where your beneficiaries are, how you have them listed, because you go, 
you go 30, 40, 50 years accumulating these assets in different types of accounts and you kind of lose track of them at some point. Mm-hmm. And you set one up to be one beneficiary, you set up another one to be another beneficiary. And you, you at the end of the day, you're thinking, I think they're all this way. But then you go and look and you're like, I can't believe that this one was actually this way. And mm-hmm. so we see it all the time. Um, and it's just, it's, it's something as simple as a form. Now I know your dad had a different situation, but for, for the the majority, I, it, I think it's very important that to realize the power of the beneficiary form and also a power of attorney, you got to really be careful about who you're selecting as a power of attorney, because they mm-hmm. do have a lot of power where they can transact on your behalf. In your case, change beneficiaries on, on their behalf. Um, so it's a very it's a huge conversation when you have that with the estate planning attorney that's going to draw that up. Um, but there's a lot of things there that, you know, can make or break how you intended things to go. And then maybe it doesn't mm-hmm. end up going the way that you wanted to, but you're not there to fight it anymore. Right. It's, so, it's, yeah. No, I was going to say, so one of the things that I think is extremely interesting <laughs> when we talk to clients and let's say they have two or three children and we will ask a question, uh, do you see any issues at all with with your children? And 99% of the time, I mean, we get the other answers, which yes, the answer is yes. But most times, parents just don't see their kids having a problem. Uh, they see them seeing eye to eye. And that's what they, be, I think, you know, I've got two children and you want to think that your kids are going to see eye to eye on things and they're not going to be a problem. But when you're talking to an attorney, they're going to ask you that question and they're going to ask you from that question. And I think of it from this way, I would like to have it set up. So I'm going to what you're saying, Cindy, I want to have it set up so that there's not a discrepancy about eye to eye. It's so clear that there is no discussion. There is no, I don't have to worry that my daughter is going to say, I think dad wants it this way. And then my son is going to think that I want dad. I want it this way. I want it to be so clear that there is no room for them to make a a discussion over the fact. And, And you can do that. Most of the time though, that is going to require probably a trust for you to have a trust set up so that it takes that discussion out of the table, off the table. Um, and, and I will say that giving somebody power of attorney to change beneficiaries is a huge, a huge power. I mean, that's right. a huge power. So I think what it does is it comes down to the conversation of talking to an attorney. And when you talk to them, you say, look, I don't want my kids to have the pressure nor the ability to outwit the other if they needed, if that, if that were where they were like, Mm -hmm. let's just make it simple. My wishes are my wishes. This is the way I want it to be. And then they don't have to think about it. And I think, by the way, I think of all the clients we have, most clients don't want their kids to think about it, worry about it, have the stress of it. They just want it to be simple. Well, and I, and I, I have to say, I think my dad thought he had everything set. You know, he had an attorney set everything up. It's just that my sister outwitted me, yes. <laughs> you know, never would have thought it, but she did. What were you going to say, Norm? Well, I was going to say one of the things that uh, that we did is we, we sat with Chess. One of the cool things I thought after we got most of our paperwork in order, we had our kids come. 
and we sat down with chess as well. And we went through a number of these things and uh, talked the same philosophy. We don't want either one of you guys to do this to the other. and One's going to be executor and so on and so forth. And we created a trust and all of that. I still don't think they understood the rationale, all of the things that took place there, but at least they were exposed to some of the issues, communication, the rest of that. Uh, I'm sorry to hear about one child messing with a beneficiary program and so on and so forth. But I guess the only thing I can say is that trust aspect, trust people kind of thing, trust your kids, plus communicate with them is the only thing that we could do um, that I thought made sense. Yeah. I yeah, think one, good. <laughs> one of the things that Chess, and whenever you hear that name, Chess Griffin is the estate planning attorney that we uh, recommend a lot of times, is honestly another avenue. Now, it's not legal necessarily, but just having a letter that you write mm-hmm. with instructions to the kids. That's right. But here's my wishes. And then now you kind of got to go, you know, I'm just going against what my mom or dad or my parents decided that they want to have in that in their wishes that you're just going to have to fight it in a hundred percent of the way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that having a good estate plan and having it very, very clear is extremely important. And, and Cindy, I think when you talk about your situation, it's not uncommon, by the way, I, I think we hear it all the time. We hear it all the time where there there's, there's siblings that just, they don't see eye to eye. They just don't want it to be the way that it is. I'll tell you another huge one, by the way, uh, that we see quite a bit is healthcare power of attorney. So a parent is in a healthcare scenario and one kid says, there's no way mom or dad would want to get off of life support. And another one's like, no, I talked to dad and dad told me if they said that, that I can't be viable and I can't live on my own, I want to be off life support. And they argue. And then that it ends. But if the parent has set that up ahead of time where they say, and they put their wishes, now it takes it off the kids. The kids don't even have to make the decision anymore. So to me, healthcare power of attorney is pretty big uh, when it comes to that. Well, we've been talking here for a little bit. Anybody have anything that's just random thoughts, random questions, random comments you want to make? I think your podcasts have been really interesting. I just want to say that. I don't always get a chance to win there and rate them and so on, but I've had a good time watching them, and I didn't pass several along, so thanks a lot. Okay. And one, one thing I wanted to add is that, you know, yes, I've read articles and chapters and books over the years about this and that and the other and i don't have it you know reading it after at my age now reading it after a half an hour it's going to nod off but if you listen to people in an animated way talk about stuff it really makes a much much more bigger impression on you and you tend to remember it so that's one of the things i use the podcast for is that it's great cool. good thank you thank yeah, you I, I echo those same thoughts uh, I've, i have a lot of trust in what you guys are doing for us financially and and securing the financial end of it, but there's a lot of components of this whole retirement window that that you've addressed. The, that the, the the Chess Griffin podcast I thought was very helpful for us, but on a variety of different subjects, it's good to be educated on things that we don't have you guys controlling too. Yeah, yeah, Jax. If I if I can use you as an example, I think in our one of our last meetings, you know you just had this list of questions because you had just recently retired, right? And you're like, well, how do I do this? How do I handle this? How do I handle this? And, and for a lot of people, they have the same questions. And that's really 
the whole reason we came up with the podcast is it's been something that Rain and I have put on the back burner for a little bit. And, and, you know, COVID came around and we weren't seeing clients. So we want to make good use of our time. So we started the podcast and it has kind of really taken off with the, those same questions that you're asking. We're saying, you know, well, he's got these questions. She's got these questions. Why not just start to really take yeah. those questions and turn them into an episode and then another episode. And now here we sit today with somewhere seven, close to 70 episodes under our belt and yeah. with no, with no inkling of, of stopping at all, you know? So it's been, it's been a learning experience for Rain and I, but it's also been a lot of fun. Have you, have you got one down yet on, on, on the cure for old age? <laughs> yeah. next week yeah 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 uh, coming in hot next week oh, cool good good, good. It's that wine it's that wine will do it that's right yeah what we do is it's like hey well let's just do the wine down and we'll forget about age and we'll just talk <laughs> that's great cool. well hey guys we want to say thank you so much uh we appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your schedules to come on and, and chatting i know this here's what i know in the wine downs we get feedback and the feedback is they love being able to hear from in all essence, their peers mm -hmm. and individuals that are in their situation and your, your thoughts and your questions and your concerns are extremely common. And if I always tell people, if you're questioning it and thinking it, other people are too. So we thank you very, very much for coming on and chatting with us today. Yes. Well, thanks a lot for having us. This was great. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. All right, everyone, that wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.